0: Welcome to the Totally Dissolved Podcast. I'm Bronwyn Serna, And I'm Kathy Hilbert. We're two coffee pros who want to make learning about coffee fun and accessible for other
1: coffee pros.
0: You'll hear fun and informative interviews, as well as actionable tips and strategies that you can implement in your coffee life. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's jump into this week's dose
1: of an education in caffeination. one hello. hello welcome everyone how's it going it's good I'm going I'm going
0: good it's going good nice. how are you um I'm doing really well I'm really tired so this delicious sweetened coffee beverage is really helping me this afternoon
1: yes speaking of what's in our cups we have a Stumptown cold brew coffee with cream and sugar, chocolate flavor. We were lazy today. Didn't want to make pour overs. I had a long day. Bronwyn's tired. Yes.
0: Who wants to make coffee when you're tired? We love an RTD. Yes. And it is surprisingly, well, okay, not surprisingly because it has chocolate and cream and sugar, but it is really, really good.
1: Yeah, I've always described this drink as tasting like donut store chocolate milk with coffee in it, although the coffee is Pretty subtle because there's so much chocolate. I mean it's not like crazy sweet, but it's
0: No, it's like perfectly sweetened. Yeah, but it's good. And it's chocolatey, which is important. Yes. Yum. So Bronwyn, you're serving jury duty this week. Yes. Just telling me about I it. was serving jury duty this week. Thankfully, every time I have checked, I have not had to show up. So let us hope that that is the case for tomorrow, which will be the last day. Not that I don't want to, but I'm really busy this week. (laughs) It's just inconvenient. Blessings on your jury duty last day. Hopefully
1: it goes according to plan, which would be not happening. Yes. Um, I don't really want to serve jury duty. I was just telling Bronwyn that I postponed mine a second time because it interferes with work so bad. It's a whole week in L.A. County. And for those of you who didn't grow up in a county with a large city in it, you might not have this experience of it being so many days in a row. I grew up with it being one day, which is so much less inconvenient. I can handle that. Yeah. So, I don't
0: know. It's. I do not mind being a civic... (laughs) <laughs> you know, performing my civic duties. It just happens to be a very particularly busy time yeah. with work. So. But yeah. that's okay. You know. I love the law. Uh, well, what else is going on? What else is going on? Well, in my life, I love my new jobs.
1: That's so great. Have you well, talked about your
0: new jobs on here yet? Oh, Do you think I don't you did think in the I last? Have. Maybe what? I just mentioned it, but I didn't like... Talk about it. Talk about yeah, it. Tell so, us. Give us the update. So I have moved on from counterculture, from a sales and account management position, just because after three years, sales was is done for me. Like Through the pandemic, super challenging. Yeah. I applaud any and all sales individuals just because sales is freaking hard. It sales is. is so hard. Um, and... It is challenging. At times, it is fun. It is a great skill set for everyone to have, I think. But it grates at me every single day after a certain period of time. So wanted to get out of sales. And, but I do miss the account management part. Because going to cafes and hanging out and talking with people is the most fun part of sales. Totally. But, um, and I moved on to pursue a more kind of techie type work, as well as kind of doing a little bit of interim until I can get like that particular work in place full time. So I'm working with Ground Control, which is the fun new. It brewer of the moment, yes, batch yes. brewer of the moment, it is surprisingly very fun and very cool to brew on. And um, so I'm getting to product develop that particular thing. Um, and I get to do data science while I'm at it. So thank you, Grand Control, for, you know, giving a baby data scientist, analysts, some experience with that. And I'm also helping out My wonderful friends, Tony and Sumi at Yes Please as their production manager. So getting back into the grind of roasting and bagging coffee. Well, I don't roast. Aaron roasts, and he's a wonderful roaster. But, yeah, it's just been fun to get back into a roastery and put out coffee. Yeah. So, And then be done with work for the day. It's great. I do miss production a little bit for that reason. Yeah. It's just very, like certain when you're done yes and it's satisfying to see all of the coffee that is out and then you put and package into bags Mm -hmm. and it's great it smells good so
1: (laughs) the simpler days you get to have them now Exactly.
0: (laughs) It is. Yeah. Simple work days. Like, and I'm, I feel so much more focused. I'm not like on call for anything, which was kind of stressful being a salesperson. Like, I don't have to meet numbers. So, yeah. yeah. Hard, not as rewarding, but now I feel a little bit more like I can do what I need to do. Yeah. So, that's great. Yeah.
1: Um, I feel like this is an, Excellent transition point. Exactly for our conversation that we're having today with our guest. So we are gonna do a small series, and we'll probably break it up into little chunks because there are lots of avenues that we could take. Um, but we want to do a little like career exploration and talk to some people who've chosen different career paths and why and how and you know all of those questions. So. Um, we're gonna start with a roaster. That's one of the more common ones that people like start in coffee and you're like, oh my gosh, I want to be a roaster. Um, so we thought we would start there and learn a little bit about it. Um I think if you've listened to our very first episode, I mentioned that I roasted for a little while. Um and I found it very boring. Um so I think it's good to hear different perspectives because my personality is not your personality and uh unless it is and then maybe we have the same job um but you know i think different jobs within coffee are good for different personalities just like different positions behind the bar as a barista are good for different personalities so um yeah i think uh this is going to be really cool to hear from different people about their jobs um anything you want to add i feel like i'm just
0: talking 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 no it's all good Um, yes, I am actually really excited for this mini series of careers. I hope our listeners can find some inspiration, especially if you are new to coffee. Uh, there are many, many ways and avenues that you can take, not just being traditional, but hopefully you'll find this to be very informative and hopefully can get you to some place that works for you if you want to stay in coffee. So stay tuned.
1: Yeah. So our guest that we will be introducing is Tony Querio. If that name sounds familiar, maybe you already know him, or perhaps you remember his name from an earlier episode where we were drinking his coffee. Um, He works for Silverbird. Actually, he owns Silverbird and Acorn Coffee Club. Um, So yeah, we're going to hear from him and yeah. Yeah. Welcome to our guest, Tony. Tony Querio. Um, uh, we'll start by asking you, what's in your cup? If you're not currently drinking coffee, I understand because it's late for you. But what have you been drinking? If you're not, yeah.
2: Currently- so uh, this it's eight something here now. So I'm no longer drinking coffee. Um, this morning, I did have a uh, cat's coffee from Matchbook the double take and i have take one uh if you're if you did bought this month's coffee she did two roasts of the same e- the same ethiopian but on the bottom of the bag it tells you if you had batch one or batch two and there's a like a 15 second uh delay in development between the two which is pretty cool um and then is on instagram having people respond with what they're tasting in it with which batch they have to see if there's a crowd consensus on the difference in the roast between the two, however you're brewing them, where you are at home, which is pretty cool. That is cool. Um, at the moment, uh, I did my homework, uh, having listened to the past podcasts and thought about what I would want to drink, um, talking all my history as a roaster and... Uh, as Kathy knows, I have worked with me for a long time and lived with me for a while and stuff. I'm i uh, I'm a situational drinker. I like to pair my beverages to uh, my, to the moment. What I would want to have is Rainier, but you can't get Rainier in Minneapolis. So I'm drinking a ham, which is about as close as I can get. There is no other cheap beer that touches a Rainier, but That's what I have. And then I also have a LaCroix, the new Beach Plum uh, naturally-essenced flavor right now.
1: Non-GMO in quotation marks.
2: Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sparkly beverages. That's a good one for the evening. Beach Plum is one of my new favorite flavors. So I 10 out of 10 agree with that choice. Cherry Blossom,
2: not so much. There's a weird chocolate aftertaste. Cherry Blossom? I haven't had that one. Yeah, there's a Cherry Blossom that tastes Mm. like chocolate in the aftertaste so it's like it's that it's like kind of grandma chocolate covered cherry cordial thing no
0: no thank you um
2: no
1: my favorite which flavor is it it's pink it's new guava
0: guava that's my new favorite
1: top favorite and then beach plum is close
2: I don't like the secret extra flavors, like the lime, the key lime that tastes like vanilla. Like, no, it tastes like cream I wasn't soda. ready for key lime pie. I was I was down for key limes. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. go for whatever flavor has the most acidity, so I don't taste the fake sugar as much as possible. That's kind of my go-to. Yeah.
1: Uh, and the hams is a good choice as well as a replacement for Rainier. It's the, the Rainier of the Midwest.
2: Yeah, it doesn't touch it, but it's as close as I can get.
1: Nice. There is a bar here. Have you been to Waltz? I love Walt's. They have hams. They're like a hams bar almost. Feels like a, a Midwest bar. It's a good spot. Um, cool. Well, now that we've talked extensively about other beverages that aren't coffee.
0: Which we uh, will talk about it at some other podcast too. Oh, yes.
1: I mean, always news. a good subject. Exactly. Um, we've got some questions for you. Um, but first, right. I would love to have you just introduce yourself. I talked about you a little bit in our intro, but just for the listeners.
0: Yeah, give us the who, what, where, when, why of Tony.
2: Yeah, so um, uh, my name is Tony Querio. I have been in coffee coming up on 15 years. It'll be 15 years at the end of this month or so. Um, I am predominantly a roaster. That's, but I I started as a barista. Um, have been roasting now for ten years. Obviously, there was some overlapping area, and that is kind of all roasters have, weaving in and out, of what you know jobs needed and things like that. Um, I I started at at Starbucks. I graduated college and needed um, a job with insurance and. Living in Chicago and got a job at um, one of the busiest Starbucks in the city. Uh, Moved out to Oregon, uh, stayed with Starbucks for a couple years there, and then there was this really cool mom and pop coffee roaster in town that I kind of always wanted to have get a job at. Um, My wife was interning out there when I was kind of getting into coffee and. Visited there and I like had a specific, I had vanilla latte with a pastry from Bend, Oregon called the Ocean Roll. And it's like, oh, this is something special. Like, I want to be part of this. And it took two years being out there of them, like, hey, we want you on, we're expanding. But like that kind of went on for a couple of years and finally got an opportunity to go to the mom and pop called Back Porch. Um, if you've listened to podcasts in the past, you know, Kathy has history there as well. Um, I did three years at Back Porch um, after I was there for almost a year. Um, one of the people who was uh, was in leadership there moved on and left a hole in um, in the roasting program a, a little bit. So I just kind of went to the owner and said, hey, I'm ne- pretty new here, I know, but um, I'm really interested in this I want to learn more if there's a spot in, in roasting to help out packaging production, whatever that is I'm interested and got that opportunity and I, um, I roasted for them for about two years so I did three years or total um, and then got an opportunity to move out here to Minneapolis and I worked for seven years. Um, I was brought on board to launch Spy House's roasting program. Um, They had already been around since 2000, but this was 2013. And I came on to launch a roasting program, ran that for seven years in that time, um, won a handful of good food awards for them. I won the U.S. Roaster Championship in 2016 in Atlanta. Um, And then through a handful of situations, finally got to the point where I decided it was time to start my own program, and I um, started my own roasting company that kind of is an umbrella company, and I have uh, two forward-facing brands. Um, One is Acorn Coffee Club, which is a subscription-based program with a coffee that changes every month, and it's really focused on the direct-to-consumer, introducing people to specialty coffee in an approachable way. Uh, Kind of our motto is, exceptional home coffee made easy um, because you deserve to enjoy every day. And then I have um, a more traditional wholesale brand called Silverbird, where I partner with cafes um, and kind of more traditional in that model, but kind of still done my way. So that's kind of the background of who I am um, from professionally. Um, I, alongside all that, I'm, I'm a husband, a dad, uh, we have a, I have a seven-year-old and a two-week-old. And so running a business with a two-week-old and, um yeah it's it's been a wild ride
0: that's such a fun and interesting kind of trajectory um i know you started off at starbucks like you said uh right out of college because you needed a job with insurance which is so needed like for for lots of people but what really got you interested in coffee to begin with
2: um i had a unique college experience um I went to a a conservative Christian college that's well-known in Chicago, and it was a completely dry campus. Like, honestly, so dry that if you drank on summer break, you're potentially going to be kicked out. Like, if if you were found out for drinking on on even summer break, you could be expelled from college. Uh, So... Based in that context, coffee was huge on our campus because, you know, I make the joke that I got a job in coffee because it's the only bar I could tell my mom I worked at, (laughs) which isn't really true, but it's you know it's a it's a fun way of explaining that. But it's amazing how many people that I went to college with, and Kathy has a similar experience. You know, I know from a lot of her background that like. I've literally been walking the trade show floor at SCAA. I've been on a bus going to a farm in Guatemala and talking with someone and being like, oh, did you go to the same school I did? And he lived on the same dorm floor two years later. Or friends that I would not, a guy who was one of my best friends who I would not seen in 10 years, I'm getting my badge at, at Expo a couple of years ago. And I was like, what are you doing here? And he has a high profile coffee job. Like very, very high profile coffee job was like, Oh, I didn't even know you were in the industry. And that just, it's cool that we had that. And it was so this was in Chicago. Um, My time there were the years 03 to 07. So coffee was really intimidating then. Um, And Chicago being one of those cities with intelligentsia, you know, being founded there up the road, metropolis doing amazing things at that time. So I knew about those people and I knew that they were great. And I, but I didn't feel qualified to even like a, put an application there because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a copy enough person. Um, and going to a cafe, you know, I remember the first time ordering a macchiato and being, getting the kind of reaction of, you're not going to like this because, Because I thought I was ordering a caramel macchiato and I kind of didn't like it kind of did like it it was that like you know but I also remember ordering espressos because I had to I had to learn to like this but I still didn't feel that I could go and apply to Intelligentsia so I applied at Starbucks um and in that time I was I was interning at a place and I remember hearing about somebody that um It was their job to travel for intelligentsia to buy coffee. And I remember the person told me about this person. I was like, can you imagine what their palate is? That they travel the world for intelligentsia and get to buy their coffee. And I completely forgot this memory for, for a decade. And I moved to Minneapolis and somebody, it was, you know, in those first three months I was here and somebody asked what I did and, you know, You know, that's a second question anyone asks about you. And I'm telling them I'm about to go to Costa Rica and Guatemala on a buying trip. And this memory just floods into my head of, oh, this is really weird that I got into coffee as a side hustle because I wanted to be a photographer and graphic designer like every other person who starts in coffee. (laughs) And this job that I didn't think was someone's real job just brought me halfway across the country to do. And I'm about to go on another buying trip, and like this is not where I thought my life was going, but it ended up here. It's it was this like super surreal moment that uh, you know I I still treasure to this day.
0: That is such a fun story because I also kind of got my first interest in coffee because of Starbucks. My go-to Starbucks drink was a hazelnut mocha because. They are delicious. I still have the I still have mochas to this day, not as often, and I usually split it because it's a lot. But I would study also at university. I would study at the Starbucks because I could not study in the dorm or the libraries. And I would just stay at the University Village Starbucks for hours. And it was when they still had and they were still using La Marzocco mm-hmm. um, machines. And that one, I think it was mm-hmm. a four group La Marzocco that they had there because it was the, one of the busiest Starbucks because it was like right there behind the University of Washington. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Starbucks. Yeah. I mean, my,
2: my first coffee moment was like we I had a friend who worked at Starbucks and he was able to when they did their first black apron reserve or whatever it was called at the time, it was a natural Ethiopian. And they were able to, if they skipped one of their weeks, they could take home a bag of black apron instead of their regular bag of coffee. And this is my neighbor's dorm room. We literally every single night we would hang out in his dorm room of four of us. I mean, people who drifted in and out, um, Justin Gay was one of those people, if you remember him from his like counterculture days and things like that. But uh, every single night we were in his room probably kicked us out and he brought a bag of the naturally Ethiopian black apron and they suggested to pair it with a blueberry muffin. So we did it. We made the French press. We had the blueberry muffin. You know, we broke it into four pieces. I mean, like, honestly, like. Nearly mimicked a, a communion experience, and um, it was like, "It really tastes like blueberries." And um, you know, it was like, he's like, "Yeah, I think like they said it grows like there's wild blueberries going around it, and the flavors like transfer." And like that was my moment though, that like coffee can taste like this, and it, it, I do have the cliche of "It tastes like blueberries" <laughs> moment that like everybody has. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like that, that was my moment and that's really what opened me up my eyes into like coffee can be different and be, be special.
1: It's awesome. I feel like I have to share my Starbucks Yes, drink. please do. Mine's the most embarrassing. I got an iced toffee nut white mocha. It was a sugar bomb and I don't think that I could even look at one today because my teeth would fall
2: out, but I used to do peppermint brevets because the peppermint would like with a little bit less peppermint, the peppermint flavor would disappear and just cut the thickness of the brevet and it would just be the smoothest drink on earth.
1: <laughs> That's really intense though.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't smart, but it tasted great.
1: As it should. Coffee and sugar and... I mean, this is it's... kind of great because of what we're drinking
0: Yes, we were drinking earlier in our cup. We had a cold brew, Stumptown cold brew coffee with cream and sugar, but without it chocolate, so. Yeah,
1: we were yeah. too lazy to make coffee today, so. Yeah. RTDs. Yeah. They save us. Um, so this next question is worded a little bit funky, but we're trying to kind of use the same questions for all the people that we ask them about their careers, so... How did you get your current position? <laughs> Tell us about yeah, your journey to um, opening up your own business.
2: Um. So honestly, opening my own business was was a process. Um, when I, you know, I went through the phase that every barista goes through of, I'm going to open a cafe and I'm going to do it the right way, and then. And that's honestly, even the the route I was on when um, the opportunity to go to Minneapolis came up. Uh, at that time, my wife and I, she's from, you know, we had lived in Chicago. She's from the Chicago land. We had looked at going back to Chicago and opening a roastery there. Um, and this was in, you know, 2011 before the market flooded with roasteries there. But... Um, that was kind of our plan: is to go to go to, uh, back to Chicago and open our own own place. And then, as I moved into a role of leadership, I became more and more aware of how hard it is to be a leader and how much responsibility you have for your people. And was terrified of having my own place for a long time. It went through a long process of family telling me, like, you should open your own place, like like you you should really do this it's like well no i just i don't want people to depend on me i don't want to be responsible for somebody else and eventually reach a point where that's what i had to do was open my own place um and there was a lot of situations at play at that time and i i had an idea um it would actually the idea fully came into fruition on a trip with dana um, I was in Guatemala with Dana, and I remember standing on a rooftop uh, with Dana and Tamika and telling them the idea that became Acorn. Um, so it kind of got to a point where I had this idea. It didn't fit into Spy House. It, like, it, it's something that needed to be isolated on its own to, to do effectively. And then other situations came into play where it's like, okay, now I need to make the move and make this happen. But it was a long process of going from I don't want to have – I want to have my own place. I really don't want to have my own place. Okay, it's time to have my own place.
0: So now that you do own your own place and you are kind of juggling two different aspects of your business, one being wholesale, one being like retail essential – or like subscriber um, retail – What do you love most about what you do?
2: Um, now what I love most about what I do is making people happy. Um, I, I just got a text message right before we hopped on the call from an old coworker who's been buying, who's has her dad on a subscription. Um, And she's in town visiting her family. And she's like, hey, can I bring my dad by this week and show him the space? Like, he calls me every time he gets a bag of coffee from you and tells me what the new coffee is. And on on the wholesale side, it's that same kind of thing. And yesterday I was meeting up with a customer to talk about a collaboration idea and our mind. And he has a really, really cool. Company that the he's got a skateboard company that is like eco conscious, like uh, carbon negative skateboard company. It's the only one like that. And he started a cafe as a spot kind of for skaters, but he's working with the city on grants to, you know, go to zero waste in his cafe and things like that. And it like that kind of led to all these ideas, like, you know, the spiraling inspiration ideas. And like, I part of the reason I I created my own company and kind of the ethos of the umbrella company is do more good. Uh, Like by having a couple of brands, we can do more. We can reach more people. The good that we do can be better and we can do more of it. And I just like, I love making people happy and facilitating people's dreams and like hearing somebody talk about, an idea they have or a passion they have, and be like, well, wait a minute, like let's let's dig into that more. Like, I, I am a creator. That's that's really where I am at a at a my core is being a creative. And I sometimes have a reputation of where can I poke all the holes in the boat before we set the boat on the water? And but that comes after my initial approach of, yeah, that's cool. Let's do it. But if we're going to do it, how do we do it the best? And like, that's what I love about this now. And previously, before I had my own company, um, what excited me, what drove me as, as a roaster, was that being able to incite that same passion in the people I worked with, whether it was baristas, people in my production team, um when Kathy and I worked alongside each other as as baristas as her being director of education and me being director of coffee that collaboration aspect that we had and um that's what's most exciting for me um as a roaster it's hard to do that as much as you like sometimes because you're stuck behind a machine like end of the day there's there's copy that needs to be put out and customers need to get their orders and that uh, inevitably takes precedence. But having those moments where you, you get to spin out and tell the story of that producer that you met and the ways that those people are real people in sometimes very, very heartbreaking means and sometimes very empowering means, um, like those are the moments that that like really drive me beyond just the like i want to make this taste as best as i can that's that's a great motivator in itself but it's really how can i make this experience special for somebody so that they they want to know the bigger story behind all of this
1: very cool um that's uh, this kind of leads really well into our next question because it sounds like a lot of really rewarding stuff that you get to to do based on like your passions and what your work is um but if 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 there's something beyond that that's the most rewarding thing we'd love to hear about it and then also what is the most challenging part of your job
2: yeah um i think really the most rewarding is the problem solving to be a roaster you have to you have to have a problem solver mentality. You have to see the day as a challenge to be met because you hopefully are always being stretched in what you think you can do. Um, Thinking back on my production team, some of the greatest moments are finishing a really, really hard week and looking at the numbers of pounds of coffee we put out that week and saying, oh, yeah, this was a hard week. But a month ago, we did two thirds that amount and thought we were going to (laughs) die. And we did this pretty easily. And next week, this is going to be cake. Um, Yeah. and, And just, you know, as as a roaster, you deal with logistics in a really unique way of especially now with the challenges of international shipping, logistics and stuff of, Oh, that's just not going to be an option. And we need a solution in two days. What do we do? Um, That, that really is rewarding to me. Um, The, the hardest part, you know, it's in, in anything, People are the best and the hardest parts of everything. And when you really, really care about people, the and their stories, the heartbreak is part of that. Um, I've had I had a producer that I worked with for a few years that I you know had the opportunity to uh, you know only only able to meet him a handful of times. Um. And it was a coffee actually, Kathy. You competed with with his coffee Donamato. Um and yeah. the the first time I visited him, I had his coffee right before going to his farm. His coffee stood out. We went to his farm. And then the second year we were to the coffee was really good. And the third year it just it just wasn't it, it was still good, but it wasn't what we remembered from the past and so the conversation was had with with you know the everyone in country and it was we found out that he was dealing with pancreatic cancer and his family was managing his farm for him that year and it just didn't get quite the same attention uh we were able to help him out a little bit through that situation and he did miraculously heal and then we had one of the best years in his coffee i was able to see him that year right after he healed and then a few months later i found out he did pass away from it and like this is someone i only met a handful of times but i worked with his product for years and you know in copy we can we regularly have a history of inflating that relational aspect be you know because it's a good selling point but this is still someone's pro like i only met the person a couple of times for a couple of hours at his home. But I still worked with what he made every year. Yeah. And um that's a person, and that's that's and, and I've had that with people who've had some of my favorite copies who just couldn't afford to keep farm keep farming and sold their farms after. You know, it being one of the best coffees I had all year, and us paying bonuses to that, and the, just the realities of the situation are realities. And it's easy to look at stories. You know, I think as humans, we're we resonate with story, and that's that's great. But the stories are—it's—it's it's easy to tell the wonderful trampin' sides of the stories but they're not all good and they're not all happy. And, you know, that happens, you know, on a smaller level that happens with, you know, we have those situations with coworkers. We have those situations with employees. We have those situations with employers. We have those situations with customers. And being coffee professionals, we all came into this for the most part because we love people. We want that moment of giving somebody a few good moments every morning and you know that's the draw coming into coffee of just like oh i can make somebody happy every morning by remembering their order and we don't go into that with the recognition of as we become part of these people's lives we become part of their lives and sometimes that's gonna that's gonna really hurt yeah definitely
0: that is such a, like, not only sobering, but just like yeah, it's it's nice to like get back to that realities of the situation, our realities. That's such a great way of putting that because, in in coffee, a lot of us do get involved and don't realize like yeah, we try and hold up this kind of higher standard, and the the farmer is so detached from that situation yeah that you are in that moment and trying to kind of collectively bring that experience to to the coffee you are serving and it's it's a hard it's a hard situation
1: yeah I also like that that's your like hardest part I know we we phrase that as like the most challenging part which isn't necessarily like bad thing but it is bad, right? Like, it's sad. We don't like that. But also, it's the great thing that, that it is a sad thing. Like, we're so invested in these people's lives, whether they are the producers that you get to meet or the customers that we're serving. When something bad happens with their lives, that it affects us. Like, that's it's cool that we get to have those
0: relationships with people. That being in mind, like, because the journey to being a roaster is never... Is, it's not easy, but it's also very... Not also direct, so to speak, like, unless you're really mm-hmm. interested, we, Kathy and I were talking about like personalities of these different types of jobs that you can have in coffee. Um, what advice would you give someone that is interested in becoming a roaster or taking that path?
2: Yeah. Um, I, I honestly got lucky. I, I, I did the thing that, like, like every, New or ambitious coffee professional does of going to the roaster and saying, I'd love to learn about roasting. And prematurely, like I'd only <laughs> been there like nine months. Uh, we, we were a fairly young staff and a, a close staff, but still, like I, in retrospect, see what that looked like, <laughs> having had that happen to me many times. Um, but advice i would give is um you know i i wish that i wish that copy was more flexible and accessible for people to have experiences like you did kathy where you were you were ambitious and you wanted to learn everything you can learn and a big piece of that is understanding what role a roaster plays and how it works and how it affects what I'm serving every day. Mm-hmm. And then to have the ability to recognize that this isn't the fit for me and backpedal out of that. Yeah. And it, it, it wasn't a, a simple backpedal and it just, it, it's, it's an advice that I have to give to everybody that's interested in coming into roasting of, Hey, you're, recognizing you're making a choice and this may not be the fit for you and it's hard to go back to being retail after you're in this. Like you're stepping out of retail and to come back into retail service is a challenge. So the advice I really would give is um, if you can get a really get as true of a picture of what being in a roasting department looks like besides the poster of being a roaster looks like in the you know everyone has the the vision of oh it's the person in the lab that's doing some weird alchemy and making this magic potion that makes coffee taste this way. And it, it, there's secret mysteries and enlightenment that happens. Oh, and then they get to hop in the back of a pickup truck and drive up this mountain in a, in a rainstorm and take these really cool jungle photos. And that's part of it. And I love those parts of it. Um, but most of it, is sitting behind a machine making the same coffee that you just made 10 times. And more of that is filling hundreds of bags of coffee over and over and over again. Because as one person is roasting, there's two or three people packaging that coffee and shipping that coffee and driving to deliver that coffee to a cafe, and somebody in the back room is just going to sign a piece of paper and like take that coffee from you and you're going to roll on. So I'll, I think the advice I would really give is um, do a little self-searching first. Find out what excites you. Are you the tinkerer? Are you the um, uh, a, a funny happenstance is I had a period where everybody that worked in my department played bass and um it's really telling of the mentality of a roaster because bass players typically you know they didn't play lead guitar they chose bass and (laughs) or they they played bass because the responsibility was on them to fill that role in the band um And it's the portion of the rhythm section that is even less appealing. Like drums are cool. Bass is not cool, but if you're a really good bass player, you're really cool. Um, And there's like this mentality that I've broken down working with all these people that they really care about being right and doing the right thing and doing it the right way and laying that foundation. And they know they're really important they're willing to stand in the corner. They want you to know that they are important, but they don't want you to tell that. They, they want you to like hint at it and they're going to like shyly accept it. There's this like weird feigned like humility to it, but um.
1: They and wanna, it's not
2: saying that you can't.
1: They want to be important, but they don't want to have to tell you that they're important by being the lead singer or the lead guitarist. Yeah, they're the
2: introverted Yeah, they just want that kind of si- silent respect. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, and really, that, like, that's the piece of it, of it's really hard work to roast batch after batch after batch of the flagship espresso blend <laughs> and make all 10 batches taste the same, doing the same few adjustments with minutes in between actively doing anything. That's hard. You have to have that passion and you have to have that self-discipline to do that, and even to get to that point, you have to be willing to spend maybe a year or more just filling coffee bags because that's the fun, that's the pathway into it. Um, I've had people come and you know, apply to be the, in the roasting department that I knew were interested, and I, w- you know, they would get off their shift early, and I'd be like, hey we're a little swamped this week. You know, maybe it was holiday or whatever. It's like, do you want to stick around for a couple hours and fill some bags? And they would say no. And they would say no. And they would say no. And then they were upset that they didn't get hired to be in the roasting department. It's like, well, you're going to spend months filling coffee bags and that's going to be the bulk of your job. You told me, time and time again that you didn't want to fill coffee bags the, that's that's really what this job is like there is one person roasting on the machine at a time everybody else in this department is scooping batches is moving in green is scooping out roasted coffee into bags Is making sure that every order goes out with the exact number of bags that there's not nine of the espresso blend and ten of the dark roast versus ten and nine because a customer is upset if that happens as they should be. And like you just have to have that precision and like be really self-aware of that if you can. Um and and be honest with your with your employer if you are looking at that and just saying like, hey, I think I have these traits, but I don't really know till I'm getting until I get in here. Like, is this something we can, you know, explore and try out. Um, I would have so much respect if someone came to me and had that, you know, self-reflection because I knew that they were taking it seriously.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people become enchanted with the like travel part of it. And the there are other jobs that let you do that part without having to do the roasting also if that's not part of your personality. So look at all of the parts and see if you can do them. I cannot. Rest. And
2: even most of those jobs, like you have to do, a, like that is a piece of that job, unless you are in the rare exception where you're exclusively a travel green buyer. But those are very few and far between. And you have to do the work to get there. Right. You're not going to like just jump into being a travel green buyer who is on the road 10 months out of the year. That, like, you have to earn that position.
1: Right. But maybe those other jobs you have to do suit your personality better than roasting.
2: Yeah, for sure. I think,
1: I think I'm think i just way too sleepy to be a roaster. It's warm. <laughs> I get real tired. I could fall asleep <laughs> while roasting, for sure.
0: So, and long, long roasting days yeah. sometimes. Bronwyn is
1: doing a little bit of production for somebody right now. And I was like, I could do production yep. again, for sure. And yeah. because like you know when the job is done, it's sort of like a game of like, how quickly can I do this? How efficient can I be? That's like my... My game, and it was like between batches that I felt that, but the the time at the roaster does not feel that way. So, yeah, it's good to know your personality and what you can what you can handle. This next question, I feel like I might know the answer, but I want to see if our if what I think you're gonna say lines up. So, any fun roaster stories to share?
2: Oh, um. Oh, I, I know which one you remember. Have you're to tell to the
1: one that I'm thinking of, but it's definitely the most <laughs> dramatic story.
2: Yeah, um, I I was roasting one day, started hearing a clang, clang, clang in the roaster. I was like, oh, that sounds like a rock. Uh, you know, and there's there's only so many situations that people train you for. And I was like, oh man, do I? There's something banging around in there. It sounds like a rock. What do I do? It doesn't sound that big do I risk all of this coffee going to waste or do I try it out? And then all of a sudden there's a big bang and things started grinding and temperatures started spiking. And like, I don't know, do I have a fire? What's going on? On top of all of this, oh, no. we are approximately um, – 45 minutes from Layla walking in the door with our owner because Layla was consulting for us for a week. And
1: this is day one of her being in town
2: day one. So they're currently touring all the other cafes and suddenly like my roaster is just not functioning. When I dropped the batch, there was a, probably three quarter inch diameter two inch long bolt that had made its way into the green and happened in that clang 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 to seize up somewhere between the drum and the agitator arms and completely snapped her drive shaft oh no so uh, about 30 minutes after this happens our owner and Layla come walking in the door, and I say, "Hey, Layla, welcome. Hey, we need to talk."
1: <laughs>
2: um, in all of this process, we find we, you know, I break down the back of the roaster, get to the drive shaft, figuring out what's going on, and our gear assembly doesn't match any probat that probat's ever seen. We had to completely disassemble the roaster get a whole new drive shaft machined. Um, we were down for 10 days. I was trucking coffee over to Cafe Imports and roasting everything on their small pro bad that they had in their offices <laughs> just to keep things alive. Um, the bolt as far as my knowledge is still there it we it was incorporated into the production rack as a uh as a hook <laughs> so I, I believe it's still there um I actually was able to show it to the people we bought the coffee from when they visited minneapolis once um you know and things just happen and like it's, it's figuring figuring it out and it it wasn't my most efficient figure it out story <laughs> Also that week, uh, there was an electrical issue and um, (laughs) suddenly all of the exterior wiring uh, coming into the building on our cafe wall shorted out. And so there's an electrical fire outside the building and the rubber insulation to the like high voltage coming into our building because we had a roastery in there, there was a brewery in the building. This was an old manufacturing space. The electrical fire is caught the insulation on fire and there is rubber on fire dripping off of the side of the building. Oh my
1: God. And Layla is still and in custom...
2: the... <laughs> Yeah, Layla and like we're seeing like fireworks, like sparks coming off the side of the building. And we're trying to shuffle all of our customers out because it's literally on the other side of a brick wall from them and they're like oh power's out. that's fine i'm just going to keep typing we're like no this is a liability we need you to leave (laughs) you can't just stay here and keep typing because you still have power the building is out of power and yes this is a brick wall nothing should transfer but there is a high-voltage electrical fire 10 feet away from you. You need to leave. We are not asking you to leave.
1: Oh, my gosh. We are gosh. kicking you out. Oh, my gosh. That was a crazy week. That is a good story. Also a great example of the coffee community coming together because Mill City Roasters helped manufacture the piece for the roaster mm-hmm. and Cafe Imports let us use their space. And Sweet Bloom shipped us coffee overnight. As well because Mm -hmm. tony couldn't keep up with all the roasting at the other space because the roaster wasn't big enough so
2: yeah we effectively if i remember correctly because we had a big uh misto box order that week so we we only filled our wholesale orders and sweet bloom kept our cafes alive yeah um and it it was it it was a, a wild wild week and it was hard but it was also, I, like some of my best copy conversations and like self learning conversations came out of the time that we had with Layla there that week, and you and Layla's relationship really blossomed out of that. And it, you know, now you're now you're working where you are, and it, it was it was, a, and um, I mean that's your pathway to being even on the BGA. So that like it's it it was, you know, it, it kind of goes back to that previous comment of. You know what's the best and hardest things, and it, it's it's people and situations and it's problems and it's you know you you no story arc is good if it's all great. You like you you have your best moments in the hardest times, and um, it you know, even you know looking back on the past couple of years, the being being a roaster through COVID was just a mind warp of you know the, the, those that day when everything shut down mm. and waking up the next morning and have, driving into empty streets and being the only one still on payroll and I was you know blessed to still be the only one on payroll but you know i had a wife and kid at home and i didn't feel the safest driving on you know we didn't know what was go. you know we were martial law was being talked about and stuff and it was like cool i'm gonna drive in and i'm gonna put out these hundreds of hundreds of orders to people who are suddenly stuck at home and hope that this keeps this company going so that everybody has somewhere to come back to.
1: Yeah.
2: And, you know, I have pictures of filling up mail carts, like the big gray bins at the post office, filling them up with orders and maxing out what our my truck in the van could hold and, you know, getting special access to the back of the post office to drop off these orders. And...
0: Wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool.
2: Yes, there was a hero complex to that. I didn't, you know, it, it was a very weird feeling. Cause like I, I was putting in very hard days, very scary days and hoping that, it meant that there was something on the other side of this and it, it it's just, it's, it's, it's weird. Like it's all of it's, all of it's weird. And, you know, even coming out of this, you know, someone asked me the other day of like, well, what do you think's happening in cafes? I was like, well, I'm a new business and most of my customers are new businesses. Like I, I don't, I can't tell you because It's all still changing so fast of, like, it's a noticeable factor that people are drinking black coffee in cafes again. Like, that's that's a different thing that, you know, people are no longer like, oh, I'm going out for the one time this week, so I'm going to get a really special drink to, okay, I'm here five days a week again, I'm going to start drinking single origin drip black coffee again.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't think anybody knows what's happening in cafes right now. It just all feels it's so still, up in the air. Still, still new. It's like new again. Yeah, which is kind of fun. Yeah.
2: New again, 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 again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I have one last request. This is not a question you'll have to think about, but my favorite story that you've ever told me about your coffee is well.
2: I'm getting For nervous who's
1: listening you might notice that Tony is from the Midwest by the way he says the word bag and this created a problem with him and a customer in I think it was a Starbucks in Bend right
2: yep okay yep.
1: will you tell us this story because it is the funniest
2: <laughs> Um. so I uh, someone bought a pastry and as as it goes at Starbucks, you ask them if they would like a bag for that. Would they like that in the pastry bag to go or would they want that on a plate for here? And the woman that I was asking this from misheard my accent and thought I asked her if she would like to beg for it. (laughs) (laughs) Which the. Led to a very unpleasant moment with her where she was very offended <laughs> and led to much Midwestern apologizing on my part. <laughs> and it, it, it was one of those kind of like situations where the person is so upset that no matter how much you apologize and explain the situation, they don't believe you. And yeah. I don't I don't I don't think they, they ever believed that I was offering good customer service.
1: Would you like to beg for that? No. <laughs> no. No,
0: thank you.
2: It was also like the the time of the day, all of it kind of all played in and it was it was just, you know, perfect storm.
0: <laughs> Hilarious. So good. One last thing before we let you go, Tony. Um we have Teachable moments. So this section of the show, we share something that is useful, something that is funny or valuable that you would like to end with to share with our listeners.
2: Uh, uh, I tried doing some, some pre-planning, knowing this was a piece of it, and it's, you know, all of that's flooding out, which makes us more honest. Um I think you know, being that this is a conversation on careers in coffee, um, and it kind of goes back a little bit to that time uh, when Layla came here to Minneapolis and w- was consulting with us at Spy House and um, leaving dinner one night, Kathy and I, you know, kind of being the, the educator, Kathy being lead educator, me being director of coffee, and having our, you know, Kathy, as an, as if you've listened to podcasts in the past, you know, we've worked together for many years in Oregon and then in Minneapolis. Um, we kind of asked Layla, like, you know, how, when you get that really ambitious barista who wants to know everything, how do you facilitate that? And Layla imparted a lot of wisdom to us and just said, you don't, they need to find the answers for themselves. You can direct them to an extent, but speaking to us, said, so you two have reached your positions because you've put the work in, you figured it out. You didn't take the easy route. You had to strive to find those answers and you know, Listening to your story as well, Bronwyn, you know, you've gone through self learning phase after self learning phase in coffee and you, you've you you are you are a respected member of this community because you've done the work. And if you want to have a career in coffee, it's it's not just doing all the cool stuff to end up on the cover of a magazine it's not all image it's putting in work people that have cool images have those cool images because that's their personality behind the work they've done um learn every piece that you can be willing to fail be willing to say that I learned that piece, it's not me. Um, Kathy wouldn't be the educator. You wouldn't be the educator you are if you had, didn't have these pieces of experience that you can pull. Okay, I'm not a roaster anymore, or I just do productions to help these people out, or I whatever you do, if you didn't understand how all these pieces rack, that's how you become a leader. That's how you become influential. That become valuable to the organization that you are at, or you want to be at by putting the work in, everything that you can, test the things that you are told, be gain and work to have the confidence to say, Yeah, you think this? I don't, and that's okay. That took me such a long time to learn to say, "Oh, all of the blogs say that I need to do it this way." I don't think that tastes good. You know, cup with people on my first so many trips. I just been like, I don't really want to tell you what I scored this. Because I don't want to be the outlier to reaching the point of saying, That's cool. I love this coffee. Or I see how that is a coffee you would love. It's not for me. But those are all things that just don't let who you want to be get in the way of being who you want to be. Like be yourself and be a person to get where you want to be.
0: That's great advice. Yes. Thank you so much. I don't know if I want to follow up with a teachable and after that. I, I think that's great. I don't really
1: have one, actually, which means I didn't do something dumb this week is all that that <laughs> means. But um, just to, um, not to be sassy, but to follow up on what Tony said in a, with a practical step, Google it. There's so much more available on the internet than there was when any of us started in coffee um, because so many people did what Tony is saying and then shared it with people. So there's already people out there sharing it with you. You don't have to like make the person that is the lead barista at your cafe share what they've learned with you. There are already people who are willing to do that. Um, And there are lots of different opinions so you can see what's out there and to give it all a try and see what sticks and what doesn't with what you also agree with. So yeah, at the risk of sounding sassy, Google it, but. Truly. No, I used
2: to always say the side of a book tells you a lot about what's going to be inside it. Like, (laughs) you can come ask me where you can find this or here's a whole library of every barista magazine and every roast magazine and a ton of other stuff. Like, you know what's a really good way to figure out how to learn about something? Find the book that's maybe titled The Roaster's Manifesto. That might teach you a little bit about roasting you know read that so you have a question to come ask me instead of (laughs) teach me how to roast
1: true well thank you for your time this is much longer than we intended uh to take above your time but we really appreciate it and it's always good to chat with
2: you thank you it's a huge honor to be on here i'm really you know when uh when i saw you were doing this i was just I was really excited and uh, I think it's a, a piece that's very important um I think there there I think there is a gap in coffee content for people who are established that want to like, take it at another level I think you're doing something that's really important and necessary for an industry and i'm I'm honored to be able to be part of it
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again to Tony for joining us and talking about his experience as a roaster. There was so much to think about, reflect on, and inform your perspective if this is a good path to explore as a coffee career. So we'll catch you all on the next one. We hope you enjoyed this. Bye. Bye. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back in a few weeks to talk more coffee with you. In the meantime, continue to drink good coffee.
1: Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And keep up with us on Instagram at Pod. Send us questions or thoughts in the DMs or email us at totallydissolvedpod at gmail.com. Bye.